Welcome to day 281 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with the Kreskis, with Katie and Matthew. And we begin the book of Hebrews. What a rich book. Uh, we have put uh, Hebrews in our reading schedule where it is because we've put it with uh, the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the more Jewish uh, flavored Gospels. And then we also will cover the book of James as a complement to this well. And James also has a very Jewish kind of cast to the way that he teaches. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, we have no idea who he is, but he has done a marvelous job of taking uh, some of the classic images of the Old Testament and showing us how they are fulfilled in Christ. And the way he does it is absolutely beautiful. His, his message is Christ is far superior to anything that we had in the Old Covenant. Uh, he is the fulfillment of the law, but he has fulfilled it in a way that is beyond even our wildest imagination. So he begins by telling us he is superior to angels. Uh, he is superior to Moses, who gave us you know, the law. Uh, he is superior to the Old Testament priesthood. And he's superior to the Old Testament sacrifice. And so not only is he our priest, he is our sacrifice as well. And uh, there are so many allusions to the Old Testament here. It's going to be hard for us to keep up with it, but it is deeply rich. And I look forward to, we've just recovered, you know, just covered this at Christ Church over the past several months <laughs> and i'm enjoying reading it again it's so deeply rich uh before we had read chapters one and two today together uh why don't we begin with a word of prayer katie you mind lifting us up absolutely father thank you thank you for this time that we have together in your word and thank you for this book that we um get to meditate on that we get to engage with and um, we ask you holy spirit to use it to um, transform our hearts and that we wouldn't just be um, just consumers in a way where we just um, sit here and watch what has happened, but that we would be participants in what you have done and what are, you are doing um, to restore your kingdom um, here on this earth. So thank you for this word um, that has been given to us. And uh, would you use it? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The writer of Hebrews opens in a dramatic fashion, Hebrews 1.1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he said, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? 
We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since a message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? The salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it uh, by signs and wonders and various miraculous gifts and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of him, son of man, that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am. And the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he has to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So we'll just do a little light theology today as we move through this passage. It's pretty simple. Uh, yeah, there are so many, so many beautiful images, you know, that come together in this passage. Of course, the way that he opens up is he gives us a full vision of the grandeur and the glory of Christ, who uh, is the one through whom the world was created, the one uh, who holds the world together by the power of his word. Uh, the one who is the radiance of God, in other words, the glory that emanates out from God is, is Christ Jesus. He is the exact representation of God. If you were to make a clay image of God or press clay against God's face and pull it away, you would see Jesus. Uh, just a beautiful you know, representation of who he is. And then, of course, it closes with, and he had to be made like us mm-hmm. in order to taste death for us. So two chapters, kind of the beautiful bookends in Christ Jesus. Every, he is everything that God was, but he came everything that we were so that he could taste death for us, so that we could be the many sons and daughters that he brings mm-hmm. uh, to glory. Mm-hmm. Which really, I mean, those two chapters in a lot of ways, you know, set the pace for when he begins to talk about he's our, you know, the better mediator is to be the better mediator. He had to be fully God and, and truly man. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are, I mean, opening chapter one and yeah, I think it's helpful to, you know, as, as we think about and read through Hebrews together that, you know, he's writing to a, a people who would have, would have known the, the Jewish scriptures. I mean, they would have cherished this faith, this faith and, and they were coming, you know, out of Judaism 
into following Christ, and yet they were on the verge of giving up and going back to Judaism, and, and false teachers saying, hey, you have, you need to come back, you need to abandon this stuff, return back. And yeah. you know, when he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, yeah, absolutely. And then he says, and now a better revelation has come, you know, a mm-hmm. final revelation in the person of Christ. And it's pointing us don't don't go back, and that's going to be the, one of those themes that we see you know, continue again, to persevere again and again. And, uh, and, and of course, they were tempted to go back to their uh, to their old lifestyle, to their life in Judaism, to uh, the community that they had. Uh, you know, there was rich, deep, and long inherited community they had uh, to acceptance in the broader Roman community. Uh, and uh, you know, to the rituals, you know, that were were so meaningful. And of course, what the writer of Hebrews is saying: don't settle for something, you know, that that's superficial. Because what you have in Christ is so much better. Mm-hmm. And of course, when he starts off by saying he's uh, the name he inherited is greater than the name of angels. The the tradition is that the law was originally, yeah. you know, given you know th- through angels to Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, you know, Deuteronomy. Uh, you know, makes a reference to that, and so much was made of it in the, the time that the Book of Hebrews was written. And so, a lot of angel theology going on, and a lot of people really enamored with angels and how they spoke in the Old Testament. And of course, uh, the writer of Hebrews has said he, he's spoken in various times and in various ways through the prophets, sometimes even you know through angels. But in the latter days, he has spoken to us most definitively, most clearly through his Son whom, if we were to look at, would be the exact representation of God's glory Mm -hmm. and his being. I don't think I've ever seen um, the connections that I'm seeing now between these people, people who are reading, and the Israelites in the wilderness. And, you know, he uh, makes these the comparison between Jesus and Moses, but like I'm, I'm seeing that he's in verse three, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And then you think back on Moses who came down from Mount Sinai. And of course the people wanted him to, to put a veil over his face because he was um, reflecting that glory from time spent with, with God. Um, and, but here's Jesus who is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation. Of course we see that, um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? That he is radiating that Shekinah glory. Yeah. Um, so you see that, and he is a better Moses, right? And of course, y'all will get to it um, soon soon enough, but I don't want to get ahead of y'all. But then you see... Too late for that. But then I've never even seen the connection between, or um, the contrast between um, the, the people who are reading this um, and the Israelites, because they're both tempted to go back. They both want to go back to what they had before, which is not nearly as good as what they're getting. But they of don't them. see it. Yeah. Now, and of course, you also have you also have you know not only uh, you know uh, transfiguration you know, images, but you have creation images mm. because we were created to be the representation of God's being and the reflection of His glory. And, of course, in our humanity, we fail to be a reflection of who he is. So now we have the perfect and most full expression of who we are or who we were created to be in Christ Jesus. And you see that again also in the uh, the nice little twist, you know, where he's talking about, uh, you know, angels and every, you know, everything being subjected to, you know, to men that we were made a little bit lower than the angels. And, and currently... Everything is not subjected to humanity, but it is subjected to him. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, though he was in the form of God and 
built in a quality God, the exact representation of God, became a little lower than the angels. Mm-hmm. In other words, he took on humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and so now he was ruling and reigning yeah. over all things. He is the new Adam, is our identity. So one day we will rule and reign with us and all things will be placed under mm-hmm. our feet. Just, just a few little just, yeah. things that are kind of pop off these passages. They're so crazy. Yeah, you have to love verse 14, you know, I mean, we, we, we in, this, in a lot of ways, just like them, are, are fascinated with angels. You know, what are angels? What do they do? And we, we think of them, you know, as these powerful beings. beings. And, and yet in verse 14, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Yeah, I mean, what, a, what an image that we tend to think of, you know, angels as these mystical things or, you know, the powerful beings. And we're just so fascinated with them. He says they were actually... Right, and, and then those who see them are always tempted to worship them yeah. because of their grandeur and glory. And then we learn their creative purpose <laughs> yeah. was to serve these much more lowly creatures mm-hmm. for the sake of salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the creature that's been created a little lower than the angels, the angels are created to serve for the sake of their salvation, which, of course, is given you know, ultimately in, in Christ. Yeah. So it is a beautiful picture. Yeah, which leads us to that first warning passage you know, where he says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so we do not drift away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that there really is a, a very real danger, both for you know, this, this audience and for us mm-hmm. to, to let our eyes begin to drift or our attention yeah. begin to drift or our affections. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, I love the Lord. It's another thing to just casually go about life. You know, and and not realize that our hearts and our affections are drifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and and it's you know, Katie's put it beautifully. It is the temptation to go back. Yeah, you know, we we uh, in repentance we break away from you know things that uh, you know hold our grabbed our heart and grabbed our affections and grabbed our attention, but slowly we drift back into those, mm-hmm. uh, and slowly they become bigger and bigger, and Christ becomes smaller. You know, and, and smaller, and, and so there is, you know, there there is a temptation for us to lose sight of the wonder of the grace of God that we have in the gospel. And of course, we say this all the time. That's why we need to constantly preach the gospel to each other mm-hmm. uh, and to ourselves, and remind ourselves of the beauty and majesty of God. We need to be recalibrated by Scripture passages like this. It, Take us to the grandeur, the glory of God. We 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 take it in, but we know we're not taking it all in. Mm-hmm. We know that He's describing something that leads us to the very edge of the glory of God, and and we begin, you know, we begin to experience. But that is the tendency we have is to fall back yeah. and to become more enamored with the gifts of God than we are the one who has not only given us those smaller graces, but much larger grace mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have enough time to talk about everything, but yeah, I just to that point. But you're going to go ahead and do it. I mean, anyway. I keep talking. <laughs> sure. Um, just to that point, it's just personally just so easy if we're not beholding him, if we're not um, seeing who he is, and it's so easy not to trust him and to go for the things that we can see a little more clearly right in front of us, and then we do miss out. We we miss out on so much, and we could. We could ignore so great a salvation if if we let that take us away from him, and that's um, that's really really so sad to me um, and heartbreaking that we can do that, and it makes me want to just be near him and, and abide in him, you know, and read his word and meditate on it um, daily because that that is so sad. No, and if it breaks our heart, how much more 
And does it break, you know, the Heavenly Father's That's heart? Right. Because He created us for so much more. Yeah. And we settle for yeah. so much less. Uh, Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Okay. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for um, Hebrews 1 and 2 today. Would you minister to us through it? Would you set our eyes and our hearts and our affections on, on you? Father, help us to see Jesus, to, to, to not neglect so great a salvation, but to hang on, um, to worship you, to, to receive all that you have for us. Father, we thank you um, for this vision of who he is and, and what he's done. Would it enlarge our worship of you today? Um, would you transform us through it? Father, keep us close. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.